Today's story concerns adult subject matter for mature listeners. If that's not your cup of tea, or there are youngsters listening, please skip this one and come back for another story another time. You're listening to the voice of Dog. This is Rob McWolf, your fellow traveler, and today's story is the second and final part of Shell Game by Cantrell, who spent a weekend with 83 identical clone business huskies and is still finding clumps of husky for where he doesn't expect them. Bringing down Upworld, their most recent delve into dystopia is available on Fur Planet. You can find more of his stories on SoFurry. Last time, our Marcus felt an irresistible call. Sending his guards away, he found himself in front of a black van, and in the seat was Marcus. Please enjoy Shell Game by Candrel, Part 2 of 2. Good boy. It was Marcus, but it was unlike any Marcus he'd met. In town, all the Huskies did their best to be as Marcus as they could. Their fur was groomed short and brushed immaculately. They wore trousers as befit their rolls and button-up shirts. All business, all the same. All Marcus. It was a riot of conformity. It was a status symbol. Impress your friends and humiliate your enemies by being them better than they could ever be. This Marcus was everything they weren't. The fur over his head was grown long and shaped, cinnamon locks drifting down over his eyes. Jeans were ripped. T-shirt, as if any Marcus would be caught dead in something like a T-shirt, had holes where more cream and tan fur poked through. His muzzle was marked by dye patterns accentuating the natural mask. Here was a confidence of self. It dripped from him. He was so confidently Marcus that he was comfortable not being Marcus. Come here, boy. He did. His legs nearly buckled again after he'd done what Marcus told him to do. He'd been given an order and he'd done it. He'd done what Marcus wanted, and it felt so incredibly good to see that muzzle lift up in a smile. Without a hindward glance, he stepped up into the van and sat where instructed. Now close your eyes. I'll be angry if you see anything until I give you permission again. He felt the van lurch, but his eyes were closed. He felt sunlight on his pelt. An idle thought wandered through his mind. If he paid attention, he could tell where they were going. It was mid-afternoon, the sun would be at a certain angle, and if his right side was growing warm, so if... But it wasn't just the letter of the law, was it? Marcus clearly didn't want him to know where they were going, and even if his eyes stayed closed, that'd be cheating. It wasn't like all those stories about wishes misunderstood and direct orders cleverly circumvented because of vague wording. He knew what Marcus wanted of him, and using those clues was wrong. He'd be doing something he wasn't supposed to do. He'd be being bad. His seat jostled. He grabbed for armrests but found none. Instead, his grasping fingers found a fuzzy arm. A hand closed over his, and Marcus's comforting voice said, I'm here, pet. Don't worry. It's just a car ride. He'd been on countless car rides. He did them every day. He had a driver. But still, 
It was comforting. It felt better just to know that Marcus was there for him. A hand grazed past his ears, and he felt the irresistible urge to push his nose up and wag. Wag! And that's exactly what he did. The hand held still for him for a moment, then ruffled his ears. Oh, you're an eager pet. Good boy. Here, I have something for you. Something snug fit around his neck. It itched, but he left it alone. Then fingers unbuttoned his shirt. As hands pulled it off, he smelled Marcus's breath just in front of his muzzle. He leaned forward, and a tongue lapped at his lips. He opened his mouth, and Marcus kissed him. It was at this point that he noticed he was harder than he could remember ever being. That alone was disturbing. There was no reason for it, no stimuli that should have been making him tent painfully. He was caught cruelly in the cell of his underwear behind the jailer of his zipper. The fabric was gripping uncomfortably to his tip, and he could even feel his knot unsheathed and pulsing against the tight confines. So eager. Well, you are a treat, aren't you? Come on, boy, let's get you out of those. The fingers released his zipper, and he felt his erection bulge his underwear out of the newly created gap. Then someone grabbed his collar and tugged. Head spun, breath caught, spine shivered, fur bristled, cock throbbed. It was a few seconds of ecstasy before Marcus realized what had happened, was happening. Bad pet. His ears folded down, and he had the urge to tuck his tail between his legs, but that didn't stop his shaft from pulsing against his underwear. The fabric only partially restrained the messy spurts. Instead of spraying across the back seat of the van, it dribbled over the gap in his trouser crotch and left a wet feeling across his inner thighs. The collar tugged again, and even though his eyes were closed, he squeezed them tighter shut as racking pleasure immobilized him. These seats are good leather. I'm going to have to get them cleaned, you know. Bad. Bad. He was maybe 12 or 15 hard throbs of his all-consuming orgasm, when something hit his snout. He couldn't stop an undignified yell from escaping. His first impulse was to bite at whatever it was, but then memory barged in and reminded him this was Marcus. This was Master. Instead, he recalled in his seat, business slack soaking in the puddle he'd made. Again, something descended on his muscle. It didn't hurt exactly, but the surprise tore another yip from him. It felt, for all that he'd guess, like a rolled-up newspaper. Take those off, pet. You've ruined them. He didn't have to ask what those were. Without hesitation, he stood. At that moment, the van jounced on the road, and he fell. A steady arm caught him and pulled him back to his feet. Careful there. Take your time. We don't want another accident, do we? Embarrassment flooded in. The earlier orgasm was forgotten, and when he managed to pull his soaked trousers and underwear away from his crotch, he was only half hard and quickly retreating back into his sheath. Now don't sit down. You've already made enough of a mess, and we don't want you to get even more seats wet. Uh, reach over your head and... Actually, I think we're far enough out of town now. You can open your eyes. Just don't remember where we are, okay? Given the blessing, he opened his eyes. Not that seeing where they were going would do him much good. They were in the wastelands between towns, blasted and stripped to bare earth. The place was featureless, except for the rare skeletal structure of a building that had somehow miraculously survived. 
But even though his eyes registered the wastelands passing by, he knew he'd forget it. Somewhere in the consciousness that mastered voice had suppressed, instincts fired. No, not instincts. Instincts were natural. These were instructions. Built in artificially. Marcus had spoken, and thus it would be. So instead he stood, eyes downcast. His own fluids dripped feebly from his soaked crotch, leaving cold little lines down his inner thighs through his thick fur. He flicked his eyes up to Marcus, who shrugged emphatically. Your own fault. You'll just have to live with it until we get home. The trip took no more than ten or fifteen minutes. Wastes zoomed by through darkened window. This was the desolate Badlands, bombed out during some squabble hundreds of years ago. It had consigned the planet's uselessness until Marcus and the rest of the original hundred arrived. The original hundred, who he was now realizing he was no longer a member of, had never been a member of to begin with. Even through the cloud of Marcus's dominance, heal, sit, obey, the realization left him feeling numb. Oh, don't feel so sorry for yourself, Pat. Marcus immediately felt guilty. He must have been letting it show in his face. You're not the first one I've brought up here for our celebration. You should feel honored. You're to be the entertainment for the whole West Island crew. Dissonance. It wasn't what he wanted, but with the presence of Marcus just beside him, it was what he desperately craved. It wasn't until the van started to slow, and he was forced to grab the handle just over his head for balance, that he realized they'd transitioned to a reclaimed zone. The place was beautiful, a garden amid the wastelands. No one made an effort to build something like this out in the Badlands unless it was a full town, but here was a picturesque lot and a gorgeous house that stood as the town's only occupant. The concrete and steel of Broderville was replaced here instead with stone and glass. With glass walls all the way through the building's ground floor, he could see straight through to the other side, with only the gentle warping of light through the panes. The van slid smoothly up to the curb, outside. Inside, up the stairs to the right, turn on the shower, grab the handle and face the wall. Wait for me there. The front door sprang open at his touch. The house was immaculate. All of the external walls were clean glass, so were the inner walls. The house had very little in the way of privacy, except for the lushly carpeted floors. And don't get anything on the carpets, Marcus yelled from behind him. He turned to see the husky dealing with the vehicle. In front, there was no driver and no steering wheel. Silently, the van accelerated around the house and disappeared into a slim garage. Marcus turned to look at him. Well, what are you waiting for, pet? You're the one who's all dirty. Holding hands beneath his crotch to stem the dripping, he tiptoed across the carpet and up the stairs. As Marcus had said, there was a bathroom to the right, also with conspicuously transparent walls. He'd spent his whole life in a rather public culture. Broderville wasn't known for its discreet citizens. Even so, this made him feel exposed. But when his mind balked, his feet carried him forward. If this was a shower, then all his previous showers had been pale impressions of the real thing. It was a room with mirror-polished granite floor and an ergonomic panel on one wall. Water drizzled down his touch, dragging his finger across from the soft ball of light that appeared red or blue, altering the temperature until it felt just right. It was like heavy rain, drenching but refreshing. 
Just as Marcus had said, there was a handle. It poked out of one wall just above head height. Looking through the glass, he faced the outside world. Naked and dripping with his own cum slowly rinsing from his crotch under the shower, he felt a grin spread across his face. It felt so new and strange to be on display like this, but he found the sensation oddly pleasing. Below the service road they'd driven up stood empty of onlookers, and beyond the wasteland stretched barren in every direction. He had a window like this in his penthouse, but up on the 23rd floor, he was a long way from anyone seeing him through it. Just the fact that he could see the ground clearly from here made it deliciously wrong. He grabbed the handle above his head and spread his legs, showing himself off lewdly to the non-existent audience. Enjoying yourself, pet? Hands closed over his front, and Marcus pressed against his back. How many times had he done this to Puppy? Even a few times in the shower. It was so familiar, yet so utterly different with the positions reversed. Still, he knew the script well. Marcus didn't need to prompt him for the next part. He spread his legs wider. His tail lifted to make way for the hot tip he knew would be sliding up between his cheeks. Fingers curled through the sopping wet fur of his tail and pulled. Penetration was pleasantly smooth. He knew every bump on the slick cock that pressed up into him. It was the perfect length, delightfully thick at the base, where the slim nubs that would soon be expanding slipped into and out of him. It was a new pleasure to know that Marcus wanted him. He was wanted. He was needed. Master wouldn't be feeling this way if it weren't for him. He was good for Marcus. He was tight for Marcus. When the muzzle laid itself on his shoulder, he could hear the breathing become ragged and labored. When the body behind him pushed him forward with each thrust until he was pressed flat to the glass, even though the shower was hot, the glass was cold, as was made, almost painfully clear as the thrusting mashed his own hard length up against the clear wall. Each hump smeared his cock across the glass, leaving smudges of his excitement in short little arcs. Now he understood what Puppy had meant. It wasn't anything specific to the sensation of being humped like this, although that was pleasant enough. The friction was delightful. The way the expanding knot tugged and pushed at him on each thrust made his tail wag. That was nice, of course. But what really had him hard and dribbling against the glass was how Marcus was breathing hard against his neck. How those hands on his tail kept squeezing and releasing. How that thrusting tip inside him was twitching and throbbing. Soon, Marcus was going to flood him, all because he'd been a good pet. That alone was enough to make him rise and squirm against the glass wall. The thrusting paused for a moment. Confused, it took him a moment to realize that Marcus's attention was elsewhere. Down below, a van was gliding up the road. Suddenly, the brave exposure didn't seem so deliciously lewd. His ears folded back, but before he could drop his hands to cover himself, Marcus's hands closed over his on the handle. Don't you dare let go, pet. In fact, I want you to show the crew just how much you're enjoying being my pet for the weekend. When he paused, a finger grabbed the collar still clasped around his neck. Head spun, tail bottled, cock sprayed. He involuntarily clenched around the cock that thrust straight through the shattering orgasm. That's better, pet. I think they can all see that. The glass in front of him grew cloudy as jets of his semen splashed across it, then washed away in the spray of the shower. 
He quaked in release, rolling his hips against the glass. Yes, that probably would make quite a show to the three new arrivals that were exiting the vehicle down below. He recognized two of them. One was a miniature cat with tiger stripes, Melissa Anton of Anton's Crossing. The other was Calvert Phillip, the horse of Philipton. The third was a gray-pelted wolf. Melissa pointed up at him as his orgasm started to fade, covering her mouth in a giggle as he jutted against the glass, leaving dribbles of cum in his wake. Slowly, Marcus pulled back, and with knees that were too unstable to stay standing, he released the handle and fell to the floor of the shower. The drizzle waned, then stopped entirely. With one hand still on the shower controls, Marcus pumped himself quickly. His fur was soaked, but he could still feel the hot lines of Marcus's seed seeping down through his sodden pelt. He looked up at Marcus, and at the cock that was so similar to his own, spraying and sputtering out over his face. Without hesitation, he opened his mouth and drank down the last dregs. With an approving pat to his ears, Marcus pulled himself from Pet's mouth. Pet, that, that's who he was now. Not Marcus anymore, or at least not for now. Pet. Very good, Pet. Dry off and come downstairs. I intend to show you off to my guests, and I expect you to be on best behavior. He remembered very little. There were just snippets, stray little images that came to mind when he tried. The black van left him at the service entrance of his home again, his clothes immaculately cleaned of his prior accident. He walked back into his building. In the mezzanine, the familiar face of his front desk guard smiled neutrally back at him. Welcome back, sir. Was your trip productive? Pet stalled for a moment. Trip? To Charleston, sir, for the negotiation. We've been waiting for news for days since you left. Are you okay? Pet, uh, no, Marcus, immediately nodded. Of course. Muscle memory took over. The voice returned. The feeling of authority rushed back to him like a lost comrade. Just tired from the trip. Please have security keep the place quiet tonight. Marcus, security, nodded his head and turned to make a few phone calls. The elevator was empty. The door closed. He pushed his finger against the button for the penthouse. Recollection flashed, vision strained back so vivid that he lost track of reality. He was reliving it moment to moment. Melissa had trapped him in the broom closet. He could still feel her around him, clenching and squeezing as he thrust. Everyone else had acted as if they couldn't see through the clear walls to where she was making thorough use of Pat. They were busy with their celebrations. Glasses clinked and conversation revolved around 80 years of profits. While Melissa was busy grinding herself against his crotch, he could hear Marcus, the real Marcus, voicing plans for the next 20. He'd return, smelling strongly of cat. He'd missed it when the doors had opened to the penthouse, and he found himself in the idle elevator, sitting at the top of the shaft with the doors closed. He pushed the button and doors opened again. His front door opened his touch. Poppy was there, waiting for him. I saw... His throat closed on the words. Don't, Master. But it was... He felt short of breath. 
Yes, I know. But you can't say. No, he, he couldn't. He stumbled into his suite, and Puppy helped him disrobed. Sensing that just right now, Master needed a gentler hand, Puppy curbed his normally voracious sexual appetite and simply held him. I can guess what they did, Master. Come, at the very least I can rub you down. He let Puppy lead him into the bedroom and onto the bed. His bed slave's fingers were firm and warm and pushed expertly into sore muscles. Half an hour later, he was finally starting to feel relaxed again, though still fragile. Puppy's fingers strayed lower and massaged his rump. Memory flared. He was bent over the coffee table, and Calvert Phillips was filling him to the brim. He had hurt. A horse was just too much for him to take comfortably. The other three were taking bets. Who would pop first? Obviously not Pet, said Melissa and the wolf. He'd learned the wolf's name was Gus. Pet wasn't even hard. Look at the way Calvert was pummeling him. The horse is going to pop any minute, they said. Bets were exchanged. Promises were made in jest. Then Marcus had grabbed Pet's collar and tugged. It was the most painful orgasm he'd ever had, spraying all over the rug underneath the coffee table while Melissa and Gus cried foul. Calvert never stopped thrusting. It's okay, Master. They'll fade pretty soon. All I remember is that they were pretty vivid for the first week or so, but I can't remember any of them now. The room was silent for a while longer, as Puppy continued his massage. He was being as innocent as he was capable of, but he was also thorough. Fingers across parts made horribly sensitive from unaccustomed use had Marcus twitching. Marcus? Could he think of himself as Marcus now? He'd met the real thing, hadn't he? He said so, and Puppy stopped for a moment. The real one? You think so? The massage continued on his thighs. Let me tell you a story, Master. Just indulge your puppy this once. Marcus shrugged and puppy continued. Three years ago, I was Marcus. The one true Marcus. No, don't move. I'm not done with your massage yet. Yes, I was the overseer here before you were. Then production changed, and we needed a new kind of overseer, one with a more assertive personality, different set of skills for handling people. That's when the husky you met came for me. When I returned, everything was different. You were here. Everyone knew that you'd always been here, and I was yours. Remember that? A shy little puppy, so unused to the duties of a bed slave. I remember you had so much fun breaking me in, but you had the voice, and even though I hadn't been made for this kind of use, it felt so good to follow your orders. So I did, and I never looked back. Don't think this is a punishment. You know what happens to us when we're no longer needed. Underneath, Marcus shivered. Exactly. So I get to live, and it's a good life. It is. Don't laugh at me, Master. 
I live to please you, and in return, I live to please you. Fair trade, don't you think? Memory bloomed. A different supply schedule, new products needed off-world. Carter's Crossing would be getting a new factory and supplies would be rerouted because of the shortages downstream. They would clone a new Philip to take over operations. No one talked about what would happen to the current Philip. The implications made Marcus's blood run cold. You think I'm going to be replaced then? Marcus mumbled. His face was pushed into the plush pillows of his bed. Puppy laughed. When the new overseer gets two bed slaves to fight over his attention? No, as much as I'd love to squabble with you over who gets to take Master's cock this evening, no. I doubt that's going to happen. When I was replaced, it was as if I'd never been Marcus when I returned. Everyone remembers you. You're still top of the pack. But through all these years, I thought I was Marcus. Now that I know... Know what? You assume just because you respond to his voice that he's the real one? Puppy had finished his massage and was tracing little circles in his back fur. You know, I don't have any evidence, but I don't think so. A year ago, I knew I was Marcus. A week ago, you knew you were Marcus. Today, he knows he's Marcus. I wonder what we'll all know tomorrow, hmm? The room was silent for some time. Puppy shifted as Marcus rolled over onto his back. Sensing that perhaps his master had returned to his better mood, Puppy shuffled forward and sat squarely on Marcus's crotch, grinding himself down to feel the tip that was slowly throbbing to life. Marcus smirked. Puppy, you're hard. He was, drippingly hard. He must have been sitting awkwardly through the whole massage so as not to bother Master when it wasn't appropriate. Now, though, Puppy was twitching on Marcus's belly as he squirmed around. It's been a long weekend without you, Master. That got a laugh from Marcus. Then memory flared. Puppy, would you reach over and get my pants? He did so, then returned to his insistent grinding. As Marcus rifled through the pockets, he lost the battle with the inevitable. Puppy clenched down around his tip and pressed down to get more. Puppy, close your eyes. What's that, Master? Puppy. On top of him, he felt Puppy shiver as the voice that controlled him returned from his long absence with full force. Puppy's eyes clenched close and Marcus heard him whisper, Master. Marcus opened his hand. In it was the collar. Marcus, the real Marcus, had put it there as a reward or a reminder. He wasn't sure which. He reached up and secured it around Puppy's neck. He wrapped his finger into the D-ring that adorned the collar's front and tugged. Puppy came. This was the second and final part of Shell Game by Candrel. Read for you by Rob McWolf. Werewolf Hitchhiker. As always, you can find more stories on the web at thevoice.dog or find the show wherever you get your podcasts. 
thank you for listening to The Voice of Dawg.